you would take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to the Old Testament, we're going to be looking at the verse that is found in the newsletter this morning as the uh, memory verse, and the article that's on the front page of the newsletter is uh, written about this same subject. I want to begin by saying to, uh, to Danny, you did a really good job with the song leading. Uh, appreciate, uh, appreciate that, and, and, and I want to say that because that's what I want to speak about, and I was so concerned, Danny, that in preaching on the subject of singing for joy, that um, you might take this personal, <laughs> but um, there's no need for that because our singing earlier was, was spot on, as we often say, and it was very encouraging, and it was very uplifting. And that's what, we, uh, that's what we have a right to expect, I think, when we come together as a congregation. Uh, the impression not only that we would make upon visitors, but the impression that we make upon one another should be an impression that we, we are concerned about what it is that we do whenever we come together. In reading through the Psalms over the past few weeks, and I've been following the schedule in the newsletter, and if you follow the same schedule, then then you've probably noticed the same thing. The emphasis that is placed not just upon singing, which you would expect in a book of psalms, which are songs, but the, the spirit that is to characterize those who sing. And it's not so much about the, the mechanics or what you know about how to sing, but it's about the heart. And, and I'm really convinced that if, if we come to a song service and we're about to enter into a song service, this is the second Sunday of the month, if, if we come to our song service with, with the right heart, with the right spirit, then the singing is going to be what God expects it to be. Now, again, that's not to say that we, we take someone who knows absolutely nothing about the mechanics of, of singing and put that person before us to lead us in song, I, I don't think that sends the right message. But I do believe that if, if there is maybe a weakness in, in, in a particular song that's being led by a particular song leader, song leaders make mistakes just like preachers make mistakes and those who prepare newsletters make mistakes. We all make mistakes. I believe that if, if that happens and the congregation, if their heart is where it needs to be, then we're going to quickly recover from that. That's not going to be something that we will dwell upon as we move forward in, in our song service. Now think about this statement here in Psalm chapter 95 and, and verse 1. Uh, the psalmist is encouraging us, encouraging those who were the recipients of that original song. Let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Now let's get back to that thought of, of, of a visitor in a worship service. An, an unbeliever who comes into an assembly who is looking for the truth who has heard that in this particular congregation the, the truth is taught and that person comes into the assembly, can they read, can they read the nonverbal cues? You know, singing is communication. It's teaching. 
It's speaking to one another, is it not? Well, when we speak to one another, we speak to one another just not in the exchange of words, but also in nonverbal cues. We do this in, in human communication every time we say something. You see someone who speaks with enthusiasm, who speaks with, with some level of animation in what it is that they're saying. You can, maybe it's not the best uh, determinative factor when it comes to what's in their heart, but you can get some idea of just how into it they are. Well, the unbeliever who would come into an assembly is going to be able to know whether or not those around him or her are singing for joy. Now, I'm not going to press this to the point that, that, well, if you can't sing, just get up and shout. Just shout it out. But that is what he says. You know, if we're going to err on, on one side or the other, rather than being like a, how do we say it, not on a log, <laughs> maybe we should just raise it up a little bit. I mean, let's just, let's just sing a little bit louder. Let's, let's, let's take what's in our heart, which should be joy, and let's let that come out in our singing. So our challenge as we enter into the song service this morning is to think about what the psalmist wrote. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Would you not agree with me that children of God, Christians, should possess a spirit of joy? And I know there's going to be times when we mourn. There's going to be times when we weep. There's going to be times when we're saddened. But the scriptures point us in a certain direction insofar as the disposition, the general disposition that is to characterize a child of God. And that disposition is one of joy. Just staying in the book of Psalms, going back to Psalm chapter 66, you see this theme in verse 1. Shout joyfully to God, all the earth. Shout joyfully to God. And, and then you go over to the 81st chapter, and you'll notice the, the theme once again in verse 1. And, and I could just go on and on in, in going through the Psalms. Sing for joy to God our strength. Shout joyfully to the God of Jacob. Well, again, what does that look like? I ask myself that question often when I'm reading through the Bible. I'm reading scriptures, I'm reading passages, and, and I, I, I can understand it, but then I ask myself as I apply it to my life, well, just how does that look? Well, I think you should be able to tell the difference between someone who has joy in their heart and someone who does not. Now, this isn't just an Old Testament thing. <laughs> In the book of Acts, for example, when uh, Paul and Silas were traveling from different, from place to place and churches were being established and, and problems were being addressed and problems were being overcome, uh, the Gentiles were being preached the gospel and they knew that they could be saved on the same basis as the Jew. We read in Acts chapter 13 and verse uh, 52 that the disciples were continually filled with joy. They were continually filled with joy. They understood what Paul meant when he said, Rejoice in the Lord, and again I say, rejoice. When Paul wrote, Rejoice always, they understood that. And they understood it because it was a response. 
to what they knew. They understood that they had been saved from their sins. They recognized that they were worshiping and serving the God of creation. They were shouting joyfully to the rock of their salvation. In Romans chapter 14 and verse 17, when Paul was writing about the matter of eating meat sacrificed to idols and exercising a proper mindset when it came to the, the matter of Christian liberty, which we're going to be talking about in our Bible class Wednesday night, he said in Romans 14 and verse 17 that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but it is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Do we have that joy? Is it noticeable in our singing, in our worship, in our lives? If you come to an assembly of God's people with that joy in your heart, then you don't have to try. If it's something that characterizes your life from day to day, then it's easy when you get here and you engage in these, these songs that, that we sing. In the book of Romans, chapter 15 and verse 13, Paul wrote to the church at Rome, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy. Fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's sing for joy to the Lord because we should possess that spirit of joy. You notice also that the psalmist writes, let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Now this is similar to a point that I made in a recent lesson, but what that points to is the fact that God is the rock. He is our trust. He is the solid foundation. He is the one who keeps my life where it needs to be. He is the rock of my salvation. And must that not come out as I sing to God? Should that not be obvious to those who are around me as I sing that these people really trust God? You can hear it in their communication, but you can also feel it in their singing. In Psalm chapter 89 and verse 26, the psalmist wrote, Psalm chapter 89 and verse 26, of David... The psalmist is writing. He is, David did not write this psalm. It was written by another psalmist, but it was written about David and how David would respond to the way that God was working in his life. He says of David that he will cry to me. You are my father. David will cry to God, you are my father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. Is that our cry? Do we have that level of trust in God? We tend, I tend, to be undone by the trials and the vicissitudes of life. And when I find that happening, I need to realize that this is a test that God has put, not so that he can find out whether or not I have faith, but to help me see where my faith is at. Trials, difficulties, they strengthen us, they make us better, but they are also tests to help us see. God knows what's in our heart, but to help us see 
whether we're weak or whether we're strong, whether we have faith or whether we do not. You bring people into an, an assembly who are possessed by trust in God, that's going to affect their singing, is it not? Is that not going to affect everything they do in terms of their communication? In Acts, the 16th chapter, Paul and Silas, they had been beaten. They had been arrested. They were put in the inner prison, and they fastened their feet in the stocks. And about midnight, at midnight, Paul and Silas were praising and they were singing hymns of praise to God. They were shouting joyfully to the rock of their salvation. From all external appearances, their life was falling apart. But what were they doing? And they were doing it late at night. And you, ha you have to take note of the fact that the prisoners were listening. The prisoners were listening. When we come together and we engage in songs of praise to God, there are those perhaps among our number who are prisoners. <laughs> They're imprisoned to sin. They're imprisoned to worry. They're imprisoned to anxiety. When you communicate joy and trust in the way that you sing, I'm not talking about hitting all the notes just right. I'm talking about what comes out of your heart, that, that those nonverbal cues that people can read, people can interpret, people can understand. That's going to make an impression upon others. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7, Paul wrote that we walk by faith and not by sight. The marginal rendering of the word sight in the New American Standard is appearance. We walk by faith, not by appearance. And that's not talking about how you look. That's talking about how things look. It's talking about how things look externally in your life, in your world, in your community, in your economy. We walk by faith. We're unmoved by those things because we trust God and He is the rock of our salvation. And when we come together, we're going to shout that out and we're going to communicate that. We're going to express that in our singing. Paul sheds light on this, I think, in the previous chapter, beginning of verse 16, that is 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Do you think that thought went through their mind when they were in that Roman prison cell? When they were singing those songs of praise to God, they were walking by faith, not by appearance. They were singing songs of praise to the rock of their shout, salvation. They were shouting joyfully to God because they were focused not on what you see, but on things which are eternal. Again, I ask the question, should these mindsets, should these dispositions not affect our song, our song service? Our singing, 
We need to be focused when we sin. We need to be focused in a number of ways. We need to be focused on the words of the songs that we sing. If you'll go back to Psalm chapter 95, you'll see this in what the psalmist wrote. Verse 1, the verse that we had before us, look at verse 2. After having written, O come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. He then writes, let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with songs. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In whose hand are the depths of the earth, the peaks of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for it was he who made it. And his hands formed the dry land. What does that have to do with singing? All it has to do with singing is that if you know God, then your singing is going to be better. If you know God, then you're not going to have a problem singing for joy to the Lord. If you have focused your mind on the God of creation, if you know that God, if you understand to the extent possible by means of his revelation what he has said about himself, then when you come into an assembly such as this, you're not going to have to think about singing for joy. It's just going to happen. You're not going to have to think about shouting joyfully to the rock of your salvation. It's just going to happen. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 15, I will sing with the mind and I will sing with the spirit. I will be engaged in the conversation. And that's what it is. We sing to one another. We sing to one another. You're not just, you're not just singing to yourself. You are teaching. You are singing to others. And for that reason, your mind needs to be focused upon the words, and it's easier to focus upon the words if you bring to the assembly a heart that already knows the God about which those songs and spiritual hymns are directed at. In the book of Ephesians chapter 5, look at this with fresh eyes. You've looked at it before, but look at Ephesians chapter 5 beginning in verse 18. Do not get drunk with wine. For this is dissipation. But be filled with the Spirit. Why is it important that I be sober in my thinking? Why is it that I be filled with the thoughts that have been expressed and communicated to me by the Spirit of God? It's because of what I'm about to do. Speaking to one another. That's what you do when you sing. You're speaking to everybody here, and everybody here is speaking to you. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. With what? With your heart. A heart that is filled with joy. A heart that trusts God completely. Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. Does this all speak to our song service? I think it does. And people around us are hearing what it is that we're saying. And they're listening to what it is that we're saying. Not just the words, but the spirit that's being characterized by the disposition 
that we manifest whenever we come here. What do they see? What do they hear? What do they take away? Things to think about. Let's go to God now in prayer.